Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Is hair a material? Are biscuits a material? Are crystals a material? Is plastic a material? Is porridge a material? Can gases be a material? Are eggs a material? Is water a material? What do you call everything that isn't a material? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at your question. And yet you continue to do so. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Handmade, the making podcast with real talk about materials. I'm your host, material scientist Anna Pajajski, and this episode I'm talking to artist Scott Eichler on portraits and working with mixed media. I started by asking Scott the story of how he became an artist. Well, you know, it's it's kind of been an interesting path because, um, you know, I, as a, you know, young student, you know, wanting to go off to art school, um, I got, you know, an opportunity, I you know, applied and I, I went in to do my interview at the Art Institute of Chicago and it scared me to death. I, you know, was from a small town. It was like I was walking around and, and didn't understand some of the things I was seeing and, and um, you know, really kind of backed off of, you know, really wanting to pursue art as a kind of a full-time thing at the same time was also probably a time that exposed me to a lot of the things that then became my inspirations. Uh, you know, it was the first time I stood in front of a Mark Rothko painting and just, you know, got invited into it. And, um, yeah, so, you know, it was like one of those kind of life changing times where all of a sudden I was like, Oh, maybe I should be studying business or something. Cause you know, um, but so I ended up, um, you know, getting into the fashion industry for a number of years. So got very involved with fabrics. I was, uh, you know, did a lot of product development, uh, would travel uh, all over the world, uh, finding fabrics and, you know, um, you know, going into other countries to get it made, you know, whether it was, you know, areas of China and, and you know, Asia, uh, India. So I got exposed to an awful lot, you know, when I was young, um, still kind of in the creative world and, you know, in design, um, you know, through fashion apparel. Um, and then um, kind of evolved over time. I, it actually, I got an opportunity to uh, shift over to MTV. And I started working in uh, for, for MTV back in their heyday, um, mostly because of my fashion background and, uh, you know, again, got, got exposed to and learned a lot about, you know, how plastics are, you know, toys are made and things like that, because it was, you know, we were doing both. And, um, and then, you know, on to discovery channel, um, and did that. I, 
you know, kind of mixed a lot of different things. I had worked in Silicon Valley for a little while, wow. uh, working on tech products. So what there was always this kind of core back to my creativity and the artwork that I did. Um, and, you know, I would always do things and I always, you know, continued to paint. Uh, as I had kids, I, you know, started realizing the oil paint was too messy and that's where all the traditional training came from. Okay. <laughs> and I started playing with acrylics. Um, at first I felt like I was just moving around melted plastic. You know? mm -hmm. It just didn't feel right. And <laughs> I didn't like the way they blended. I didn't like the way that, you know, they dried so fast. Mm. And so, you know, just started experimenting a lot. And there's, you know, uh, especially now there's so many products out there uh, with acrylic painting that, you know, really gives you a tremendous amount of opportunity to control and experiment and get a variety of results that I actually you know, ultimately ended up fully embracing it and kind of, you know, working that into, uh, um, you know, my whole process. And, and I, you know, by the way, I love the, the name of your podcast, um, you. Handmade, because, you know, with art, at least with my art, I don't want to speak for all artists, but I really feel more like I'm making something you know, more so than I'm painting. Mm -hmm. uh, most of my painting techniques are not traditional. And um, so there's a whole process that I start with that, you know, I walk through, um, you know, from the, from the beginnings of creating the substrate all the way into the way, you know, it's finished at the end. That does require a lot tapping into a lot of different types of materials and doing a lot of testing with those materials to get, to you know the point that I'm getting the effect that I want. Mm -hmm. And I really do see each one of my pieces as kind of handmade. Um, you know, it's a it's a piece of wall art, but it, it's not, I don't necessarily think you think of them as paintings as much as um, you know, I, I guess because they don't fall follow the traditional, you know, methods of uh, you know, that I was trained on in my early days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it'd be great to hear you've mentioned some of your materials. What are your processes that make your art different from, like you say, it becomes something, a handmade object rather than a painting? Can you describe for the listeners, you know, what art you're making at the moment? Sure. I mean, you know, a couple of things that I probably do a little differently is um, my easel is just usually used to store things. I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't paint on an easel. Um I was always intrigued by, you know, what, you know, some of those early new school uh, abstract expressionist artists did with action painting and, mm. you know, Jackson Pollock, the way he would work around those big canvases, you know, he laid them out on the floor yeah, yeah. and then worked around them and you could see the movement and almost the dance that went around the canvas as that was happening. So I always like to work on a flat surface. Um, but what I, what I tend to do is I take, you know, I use canvas or wood panels. I kind of go back and forth between uh, natural wood and, and canvas. But even with a canvas, I don't do it in, on, you know, traditional stretcher bars. Uh, I actually make, you know, custom make a block that I then wrap the canvas around. Okay. And that's so that I can get a, you know, kind of a totally flat surface and I can control the, um, you know, make sure that it's absolutely level or, you know, adjust it so that it has a little bit of a tilt. Mm -hmm. And because I work with a lot of more fluid paint um, and I can, I can work around a canvas. I, you know, usually work on a tabletop and I work around it and uh, I use a lot of very fluid paints, as I mentioned, mm -hmm. 
And I like to, um, you know, pour, squirt, build them up and kind of create dimension to them. So there's a little bit of a kind of sculpting nature mm. to that. Um, but, you know, so I build this block, you know, I stretch the canvas around it. And then, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, canvas prep too. I, I don't use a lot of brushes, but I don't like brush marks, you know, which again, kind of gets away from traditional yeah. learning. It's all about the brush stroke, you know, that yeah. there was a time when that determined the quality of the artist. Sure. And, uh, you know, I use a lot of, um, I use, you know, palette knives, um, but I also use stuff from the local hardware store, you know, trowels and, you know, things with grooves and, uh, apply different mediums onto the to the canvas. But even before that, with the gesso, I like to use um, multiple layers, sand it down, get a very smooth finish, and kind of remove a lot of that um, texture that is in you know natural to the canvas. Okay. So right even down to that, you're selecting your canvases based on that. So I tend to use thinner cotton um, canvases with really tight weaves so that I can really, you know, get that really smooth finish so that as I'm moving very wet paint around, I can be very exacting with it mm. rather than it kind of running into little grooves and, you know, wanting to spread and, yeah. and, uh, you know, so it's, it's very much about controlling that surface and, uh, I agonize over it. <laughs> you, know, it's, you know, sometimes as I'm creating these, uh, you know, these substrates for a specific piece. I spend, you know, a couple of days, you know, just getting the, the darn canvas ready. Wow. Um, but then also wood, um, you know, I love to paint on wood panels most of my art is, is, you know, is, you know, kind of abstract and fairly simple. I, I focus on line and squares and circles and I love negative space. Um, so when I'm pulling out negative space, I love painting on wood grains. So, you know, putting down, you know, maple veneers or walnut veneers uh, to then paint on. And each one of those you have to test also because, you know, depending on the type of paint you're using and how you're doing it, you know, you, you know, the way it spreads into the the paint, how you have to control that. So there's all these little, you know, um, experiments that you constantly have to do to kind of get that right, so you can get to the next level, which is actually putting put, you know putting paint on the surface and stuff. So, so there's a, you know kind of that whole process, um, and then of course we get into the you know the creating of you know, the visual, you know, the color and the paint that goes on. And with the, you know, with acrylic paints, there's just so many different options. Um, and, you know, I tap into a lot of those different things for achieving the looks that, that I'm going for. Mm. And, and what are your subjects? I've seen on your website, there's a lot of, I suppose, portraits. Can you describe maybe your inspirations or um, the, the type of, you know, shapes that you're making? Yeah, you know, it, it's funny because I hadn't really done a portrait um, of any, you know, since I was in school, mm, okay. you know, it was, um, I, you know, I gravitated toward, you know, more abstract work and just kind of creating from blank canvas and not really doing anything that was figurative. Mm. But I was kind of locking into some processes that, um, that I thought were interesting. And I actually kind of took it on as a personal challenge to see if, um, I could apply those processes to, you know, do something that was more figurative. And, you know, we were also in a time where, you know, the world was, you know, a little crazy. 
Yep. <laughs> and stuff. So I started looking toward, well, you know, who were some of those people that inspired me? Hmm. Um, you know, long list of, you know, people that I could have started with. I chose to do a David Bowie portrait. And, uh, you know, I used some different photo reference that I pulled together. Uh, it was shortly at, you know, he had passed, I think, the year before. Um, and, uh, um, you know, just kind of wanted to capture him in this, what for me felt like this kind of contemplative state, not in a character, you know, not Ziggy Stardust, mm. but uh, just, you know, kind of how I might imagine if we were sitting across, you know, a table and discussing some creative thought. Mm. And uh, and I started painting and it, you know, a lot of the techniques that I use are, are similar to what I do in the um, non-objective work. But, you know, I kind of put a plan together for how it would all come together at the end as a, um, um, you know, an image that would be representative of, um, of David Bowie and came out well, you know, I learned some things, you know, in, in the process and have uh, started, uh, you know, doing some others. I've got two or three more that I'm working on right now and trying to move it to a whole nother level uh, with some mixed media. Okay. Cool. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a, uh, you know, every, but everyone I'm doing, I've had some requests to do some that I'm, I'm just, I just have to say no, <laughs> you know, I just, they aren't necessarily, you know, people that I find inspiring and um, I'm, you know, kind of keeping it to that, um, to that level for me. I have a whole group of artists that I, that I want to do that probably no one knows what they look like. Um, so they won't recognize them, but um, I think it would be really fun to do some of the the artists that have inspired me over the years and, mm. and kind of use a little bit of their, you know, their process kind of in the making of those. That's cool. I'm really fascinated by portraits. In the process of making that portrait, did you learn anything new about David Bowie in this instance? Yeah, you know, there is, you know, I, I do, I do, um, you know, quite a bit of research, um, yeah. you know, even if it comes down to like little symbolism that I work into, um, you know, the, the image, um, you know, some of the, uh, I've done a couple of Ruth Bader Ginsburg paintings, cool. quite, quite frankly, yeah, I, I could do just those, I think mm. I get, I get requests for those you know, on a weekly basis, really? you know, people see him on, you know, Instagram or, you know, yeah. uh, whatever. And, and I literally could just be the Ruth Bader Ginsburg studio. Um, <laughs> and as much her. as I, I love her, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't want to just paint, I don't want to just paint portraits and I of certainly course. don't want to just paint portraits of one individual. Yep. Of course. But, uh, with that said, I mean, you know, I always felt like I knew her, um, you know, and I, I saw the labels of, of, you know, the liberal on the U.S. Supreme Court. Yeah. Um, and I had respect for a lot of the things that, um, you know, she had stood for. But I, I had never taken the time to sit down and read her dissents mm. and to actually read the words and how thoughtful and how smart that she was. And, you know, and kind of uh, and nuanced uh, that she was in her writing. And it was so precise. And uh, someone who I already had a lot of respect for, you know, I suddenly um, gained this, you know, absolute respect for. And then to find out that her her best friend and her vacation, you know, the person that uh, she went on vacation with, you know, with her families mm -hmm. uh, was, um, 
the guy on the Supreme Court that was the most conservative. No way. You know, also, you know, it was like, it, it you know, kind of woke me up a little bit to the fact that, um, you know, mutual respect and, you know, really understanding ideas and nuances of those ideas, um, you know, it's, it's something we all could use a little bit more of in this, uh, in this world. And, um, yeah, so, and then just, you know, like I said, just seeing the depth of, of, you know, thought that she put into some of those dissents, which is what she became famous for, because she was always kind of, you know, on the, the minority side of, of, uh, of decisions. So, Mm. so I'm fascinated. My background is in science. So this might be a really basic artistic question for you. So apologize in advance, (laughs) but, um, I wonder how, What's your approach then once you you read this work and you get a better sense of who this person is? How do you physically translate that onto the canvas? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, it is it's, a you know, it's it's part of the creative process. Mm. And, and I guess a little bit of what I was saying about that, David, you know, Bowie um, uh, piece is, mm. is kind of gets to it. It's really kind of tr- trying to tap into and kind of capture the essence of who the individual is. Mm. Um, you know, you see a lot of pop art that have, has been done kind of focuses on the character that we've seen through pop culture rather than through the, you know, who that person really was. And, you know, in reading about David Bowie and digging into him, I mean, he was, I mean, a true Renaissance man, yeah. uh, you know, he, you know, he thought about everything and he he looked for nuance and everything. And while oftentimes his presentation was almost garish, you know, was yeah. you know, out front and becoming this different person for that time and for that inspiration, it's not who he truly was. And that was all very meticulously planned and thought about. And it was uh, it went above and beyond just this, you know, kind of being a kind of a, you know, crazy musician mm. uh, out there in costumes. And so that's what I wanted to capture. It was the same thing with, uh, um, you know, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, when I did, you know, when I did those paintings, it's, um, it's kind of trying to see into their soul a little bit. So you put a lot of focus on the eyes, of course. Um, but, uh, um, you know, really just, kind of capturing a little bit more of the um, the vulnerability, the intensity um, mm. that uh, that goes into who that person was rather than the character that we oftentimes define him as. Yeah, absolutely. This, this idea of characterization, or I suppose the kind of front of a person and then their sort of deeper wants and needs is something that I've been really interested in. I do a lot of writing um, and and creating believable characters is all about getting all that backstory stuff, you know, it's not just what a person wears and how they speak and what they look like. It's all about their sort of what drives them in a kind of deeper way through a deeper purpose. Um, For me, it it makes intuitive sense as to how you would translate that on the page through words, but it's fascinating to hear how your approach is to do it sort of, you know, on the canvas visually. You know, and I think a little bit too is looking at the flaws, Yes. You know, kind of embracing that. And, uh, you know, oftentimes I think uh, a lot of uh, uh, 
we, we tend to look at, you know, we idolize, you know, people that inspire us, we idolize them. And so we only kind of see them through these, you know, um, this good prism, uh, mm. but uh, understanding that there, there are flaws and, uh, and trying to find ways to capture that. Uh, I also like to use a little symbolism in some of my work, okay. um, you know, if like, um, you know, if you, uh, there's a, a you know, it, it, as long as we're talking about portraits, it was a Kobe Bryant piece um, that I did for somebody. And, and he uh, interests me as a basketball player, but even more so as he left basketball and he, you know, started creating short movies and, mm-hmm. you know, won an Academy Award, you know, and here's this guy that speaks multiple languages and, yeah. you know, grew up in Europe and had just, you know, this, you know, kind of bigger complexity of uh, the individual than just what he was on the basketball court. Sure. And so, you know, through little symbolism, um, you know, there's, you know, things that you can kind of go through that artwork and you'll see in some of the little boxes and the tilings that I do where there's some symbolism that kind of uh, reaches back to that um, and, you know, kind of notes that on the Ruth Bader Ginsburg piece, there's, a, there are two C's that are found on it. And it's because, yeah, she graduated at the top of her class at, uh, you know, two top schools. I mean, and, uh, um, you know, that's, that's pretty darn impressive. <laughs> yeah, really is. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Um, I wanted to step away from the the portraiture idea now and talk to you a bit about your sort of early experience with materials. You mentioned, you know, traveling the world, you know, experiencing, especially through textiles, how materials are produced and worked with in places like China and India. I wonder how did that experience form your attitude to materials, I suppose, or um, how, what did you learn about materials as you traveled through these different places? Well, I mean, it, it, you know, uh, truly working like in apparel, um, understanding, you know, how even a plaid shirt is put together mm. and, you know, what yarns you use and the thickness of the yarns and whether you twist them or whether, you know, they're, um, you know, brushed or not, you get a very different look in, um, in the result of just a simple plaid shirt. 
Um, you know, uh, knits are the same way, you know, the way that they're, um, you know, the way that they're knitted yeah. gets you a very different effect. The way you wash them, um, you know, can generate a very different end process. And so I do look at things very much through that lens. Um, I just, you know, did a piece that, uh, um, let's curate is, uh, has on as a, as an exclusive and it's called weapon wharf. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, or I think I call it warp and weft more <laughs> get that right. Um, but it is, it's, it's, you know, all these kind of different threads that, um, crisscross each other and you see some of the translucency that comes from the back. And then I put what is almost like a, a jacquard, you know, which is where the threads come up through and kind of create a different texture, mm. Um, over the top of that with a separate pattern. And so you kind of see some of that, that sheen and matte that kind of comes through and catches your eyes in different ways. And so, you know, it's even just thinking about the way that, uh, you know, we would put together um, a line. And I also, you know, I mean, I think art needs to be accessible, um, you know, the way that fashion is. Mm. Um, I don't, um, you know, I think sometimes artists are a little too pure about their work and how it needs to be displayed and where it should be displayed. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you need to put up a piece of artwork in your home and it needs to work with, you know, the rest of what's in your home. Right. And, and there's, um, you know, nothing wrong with that. And so um, I'm not, you know, while I don't like to take, you know, a, a commission and have someone send me a swatch of their drapes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, trying to, to match it. Yeah. Um, I certainly do appreciate the fact that, um, you know, if I'm putting, you know, doing something for someone's home, that uh, I, I like to know a little bit about them and, and what they're looking for and, um, you know, what makes them happy so that I can incorporate some of that into it. Sure. I think that question of accessibility is really interesting. As you were describing, really gaining an appreciation for how something as simple as a shirt is put together. You know, when you when you see all the different components and the patterns and how it all has to be constructed, it's an incredibly complex object. And yet we consider it just an everyday, almost disposable item, right? In the right. in the world of fast fashion. I'm interested in how obviously you've had exposure then to that world of how all this stuff is put together. One of the things that I'm interested in with this podcast or the idea of handmaking in general is to really gain an appreciation of how objects are put together, you know, how difficult it is to throw a pot on a potter's wheel and therefore, you know, how valuable all our, all the objects in our kitchen are when we don't really think about where they came from or how they were made. So I'm interested in what you were saying about art being accessible Obviously, fast fashion is the extreme end of that where we dispose of and we we consume so much of this stuff that is difficult to make and yet is made in such vast quantities that it has become, you know, fast fashion. Where does right. art come into this and what's the line to be trodden between accessibility and sustainability, I suppose? Yeah, it's it's uh, um, it is a challenge. There's no you know no doubt about it. I mean, uh, you know, like in my case where I really um, I love nuance, and so I will spend an entire day to get you know the the right look that I'm trying to get, and then I'll 
go right up over the top of it, you know, and I'm looking for this kind of um, uh, translucent effect. And there's no other good way to get, you know, do it. I mean, there's artists out there that have learned how to make art fast, um, you know, with their techniques or their, you know, many times their skill. Um, But what I'm trying to do when I'm trying to achieve oftentimes takes me days. And so, um, you know, there's this time component, materials component i was talking about you know painting on wood veneer mm. you know going out and buying you know walnut veneer to 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 paint on um you know gets expensive and um you know so the the price of art oftentimes is what keeps it from being accessible yes uh, i think one of the things that's happening in technology is is certainly you know artists are are able to get more exposure um, just through setting up their own website through social media. And so you're taking out the gallery markup, um, in a lot of cases, good for a lot of artists, not maybe so good for a lot of the galleries. Um, but, um, so that, and then of course there's, there's printing and, um, a lot of artists are taking the work and, and, uh, and printing it. I tend to make stuff that's very difficult to print. Uh, because of the amount of texture I put into yeah. it, because of the, the the different sheens that I play with to get different effects. Uh, I'm toying with it, I'm playing with it right now, um, where I'll actually print pieces and then hand paint the different sheens onto the print. That's cool. Um, but, uh, you know, so that would allow you know me to sell some kind of handmade, you know, uh, prints yes, yeah. that are much higher quality, but at a much lower price than what, you know, a, an original, um, you know, piece of work is. Uh, but, you know, that's always the, the, the check and balance. If you want to create something that's new and original, you have to put a lot of time into it. And time is really more the determining factor in, you know, cost than, than anything else. So, so it is the accessibility is always kind of like this, this balancing act. Sure, sure. So we've talked a lot about your portraits work, but you mentioned also that you work with mixed media. It'd be great to hear a bit more about that side of your work as well. Yeah, so that's that's an area right now that I'm I'm doing a lot more experimenting with, um, and and I've got a couple pieces I'm working on, but I'm doing more experimenting than actually creating right now Fun. because. <laughs> but I actually really wanted to kind of tie in this um, world of um, fashion and fabric and and uh, kind of bring it into the art that I'm doing. Mm. And so I've been going out and kind of collecting interesting fabrics and prints and and things, and I'm. Uh, applicating them to the uh, not traditional applique. I'm using, you know, acrylic mediums to attach it to the canvas and then uh, creating patterns and shapes over that. Mm-hmm. And, and then applying paint on top of that surface and really get this very kind of unique um, kind of Chuck closest type, um, you know, feel to the art um, that, uh, I find pretty fascinating and I'm taking and I'm using some of those, like the fabrics I'm actually going and, and I'm using a, uh, you know, different uh, detergents and bleaches and things to, you know, change the fabrics and beat them up a little bit. Mm-hmm. My wife doesn't know this, but I'm using our washer and dryer to, <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, to alter the fabrics a little bit. Um, but uh, the, uh, at the end of the day, what I'm, what I'm working toward is, you know, kind of, 
you know, tying, you know, a little bit more of, of um, that fashion background uh, and bringing it into, into the art. Um, I'm also playing with uh, window screen, um, old window screen and uh, kind of placing it into the, uh, the different mediums and things that I use that, uh, you know, there's everything from pastes and gels and that, you know, I mix up and, and applying um, some of these different, uh, you know, window screen in a sense is a fabric <laughs> mm-hmm. um, into those and then applying paint and pattern and things on top of it, which creates it really uh, just a, a whole unique uh, texture mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, I find quite fascinating and, and uh, you know, and then finding a subject in which to, to put it into. So that's kind of the, the new thing that I'm, I'm tapping into now. So when you're doing these experiments, do you think of yourself as taking, because obviously the word experiment is often associated with scientists. I'm interested in whether you think of yourself as taking a scientific approach or is it more sort of free flow? Do you take a methodical approach or, you know, how, what's your thought process when you're doing this? Well, I oftentimes call it organized chaos. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I am somewhat methodical and it, it depends on what I'm doing also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I kind of think of what I do is building guardrails and then letting, you know, you know, kind of things flow in the middle. But at the end of the day, there is a lot of experiment I do to make sure that the, the result I'm going to get is, is what I want. Yeah. You know, when you're working with paint, you know, um, the surface tension, uh, whether it create the you know, paint is, is crazing or not, you're cracking. And uh, sometimes you want that. Sometimes you don't. Um, and so before I start layering these different, you know, kind of, uh, blends of paint, uh, with different mediums on top of each other, I got to know how they're going to, you know, react and respond. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a simple thing I was just talking about the, um, you know, cutting pieces of fabric and, and putting it into the painting, you know, the same mix of paint and, um, mediums. Um, applied to a brushed fabric versus a um, printed fabric versus a very tight yarn dye fabric, you get very different results. And so to make sure that I'm getting the result in the end that I want, I, you know, little scraps of canvas everywhere that, um, you know, have little dips and dabs and I make notes on it, what the mix of the the paint was what mediums I added to it, what additives I added to it, and then what the results are. Um, and uh, so that way I know that in the end, uh, I'm using the right mix to get the right feel and the right texture that I'm that I'm looking for. So probably a little more on the, the scientific um, end of things. Um, you know, I make a lot of stuff that ends up being a big gooey mess and, um, <laughs> very typical you know, in the sciences, believe me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's part of it, right. I mean, Absolutely. um, you know, yeah. you got to prove yourself wrong enough times to find out that you're right. hundred percent. But also with this kind of experimentation, it's often so delightful. You know, you make your hypothesis. If we're speaking scientifically, you make your hypothesis. I think that this is going to do this when I do this. But if it makes something totally different, often that's a great result, and you can take that forward. And sometimes it's the most surprising. That's things. the beauty of calling yourself an artist versus a scientist, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Although there's plenty of great science that's been uh, found by accident, sure. also. Yeah, but uh, 
Yeah, I mean, that's, that's part of the fun of it. I mean, there certainly have been things like, you know, I used to spend so much time trying to get the air bubbles out of, you know, things, you know, the way that I mix it on glass, so I wouldn't have these air bubbles. Yeah, yeah. And then I did one piece where I kind of was a little more carefree about it. And I got all these little pock marks in the paint. And I was like, well, that's kind of interesting. It mm. actually, you know, creates a... Um, uh, a, a different effect you know, depending on the light that you you see it in and so but I want to be in a position where I'm making the choice to do that versus always going ah I wish I would have known that that was going to happen so that's why the constant experimenting and testing and, and mixing A and B and C and seeing what kind of fizzy stuff I get in the end. Yeah, and I'm sure it takes a while for you to get to know your materials. And, you know, once you've done these experiments, you can more intuitively imagine how they're going to behave under certain circumstances, right? Oh, completely. Uh, you know, and just, you know, just understanding, um, you know, the viscosity yes, of the paint. Exactly. Like I said, I work with a lot of very fluid paints and sure. um, kind of how they can respond to each other and react to each other. They touch each other and start, mm -hmm. you know, kind of getting, uh, you can end up with mud <laughs> or you <laughs> yeah. can have something that's, that's quite, uh, quite beautiful and interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So my final question for you is to do with, I guess, the future of your work, you know, what have you got coming up or what's, what are your next unanswered questions with your work? Where might it take you next? Uh, interesting question. Um, you know, one of the things that I probably hear the most um, is that I need to kind of find my thing, my look, my style and okay. kind of stick with it and really explore it. Um, you hear that a lot from galleries. You know, they want something that's marketable. They, they yeah. get two or three pieces in there. They sell one. They want another one like it. Sure. And I think that um, that can sometimes be a little, um, you know, creatively can kind of, you know, start to box you in. And I think it happens to a lot of artists. Of um, you know, I'm fortunate enough that I'm doing this at the end of my career, mm. not at the beginning. So I'm not as um, beholden to, you know, the wants and needs of um, uh, someone that's out there. I'm actually, I'm doing some interesting things. I'm, I'm doing a, um, I got um, contacted by a, um, a, a judge in the city of Dallas who's doing a, an event uh, to relaunch her um, election. And, um, you know, so I'm putting some pieces. She's doing an art show around uh, justice equality. And, yeah. um, and so I'm, I'm putting some pieces together for that. Um, and, uh, but, you know, in terms of like where the art is going, you know, this, this whole kind of mixed media thing is definitely something that I'm, I'm playing with. I want to do more with wood mm -hmm. uh, and some three-dimensional type wall pieces. I'm not, mm -hmm. not so much sculpture as much as, you know, maybe wall sculpture to a certain extent that I want to apply some of my painting techniques into a, a more three-dimensional manner and, uh, and just keep exploring, keep trying new things, keep, keep failing because, <laughs> You know, you can't kind of really find that next great new things until you fail enough times to know that uh, when you find it, you know, that it, it actually has uh, has validity. Absolutely. Yeah, a great message to end on. So if our listeners have enjoyed hearing about, you know, your work and would like to check out what you're up to and see what you do next, where can they find you online or in social media to keep up to date? Well, it, primarily on uh, social media, it's... it's um, um, Eichler underscore art um, on Instagram. That's the, the primary platform that I have. I've been building a website for quite some time, but 
I need to spend less time experimenting and more time, <laughs> you know, getting all of the, the code for that. Um, but the, that's going to be launching in the next couple of months. Okay. And, uh, and then I'm working with, you know, uh, you know, pop-up galleries and different events and, uh, you know, just really, you know, kind of out there uh, getting the work exposed. Totally. Oh, great. Well, I can't wait to see what you do next. I'll definitely be keeping in touch. Um, and thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. It's been really, really it's lovely to catch up. Yeah, really enjoyed it. So that was the wonderful Scott Eichler on working with mixed media. Thanks so much to him for coming on the podcast. A reminder that my book, Handmade, A Scientist's Search for Meaning Through Making, is out now. It's available to order in hardback, online and in all good bookshops IRL. You can also get hold of Kindle copies and the audiobook version on the internet too. Let me know what you think of the book or just say hello to me on social media. I'm at Anna Pajajski. That's everything for this episode of the podcast. As always, it would be awesome if you could like and subscribe to us on all of the usual podcasting apps. If you want to say hello, you can do so on social media. We're on Twitter at Realtalk, that's R-I-A-L Talk, and on Instagram at HandmadePod. If you would like to support the podcast with a one-time financial donation, you can do so at supporter.acast.com forward slash handmade. Thanks to everyone who's already done so. It really does help to keep us going. Massive thanks also, as always, to Alex Lathbridge for the music mix on this podcast episode. And next week, I'll be talking to Hester Hamilton all about her experience as a costume maker and burlesque performer. So until then, take very good care and I'll speak to you next week on Handmade. 